Okay, people, it is time for another Echo Chamber this week. We have a two-parter for you. Yes, yes, yes. But as we do, we're going to start off with the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 7th to the 9th of October. Okay, so at number 10, we have See How the Drive. This is the new one from Tom George, written by Mark Chappelle, starring Sam Rockwell, Cerise Ronan, Harris Dickinson, Adrian Brody, Ruth Wilson, Shirley Henderson, David Holloway, and at number nine, it is Kyle Bowder, Brad Eagleson, and Jonathan DeVowles. Minions Rising. Written by Matthew Fogel, a voice cast of Steve Carell, Pierre Coven, Alan Arkin, Taji Hansen, Michelle Yu, Julie Andrews, Russell Brand, Jean-Paul Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren, Danny Trey, Lucy Lawless, Jimmy Yang, Riza, Will Arnett, Custy, at number eight, it is Conan Sullivan, the first. I think it's probably Hollywood. That's all I know about that part. At number seven, though, it is Blue Lost King. This is directed by Stephen Frears, written by Steve Kubrick, starring Sally. Hawkins, Harry Lloyd, Lee Ingleby, Steve Coogan, James Police, Jessica Hardwick, Robert Jack, Jean Paul Early, Sinead McInnes, Steve Price. At number six, it's Mrs. Harris who goes to Paris from Anthony Fabian, written by Harold Cartwright, Anthony Fabian, and is based on Paul Gallico. Starring Leslie Manville, Isabel Tucker, Lambert, Lambert Wilson, Alba Baptista, Lucas Bravo. So we are now in our top five people. And that number five is Amsterdam. The new film from David O'Russell, which he wrote as well. Starring Christian Bale, Margaret Robbie, John David Washington, Alexandro Niviola, uh, Andrea Riseborough, Anna Taylor Joy, Chris Rock, Matthias Schunzut, Michael Shannon, Mike Myers, Taylor Swift, Timothy Oliphant, Zoe Salander, Robert De Niro. It's a fact. Oh! Number four, we have got the new one from Ollie Parker, which he um, co wrote with Daniel Piskey, 
It is Ticket to Paradise, starring George Clooney, Julia Roberts, Kathleen Beaver, Billy Loud, Lucas Bravo, Maxim Boutier, Vanessa Everett. At number three, we Don't Worry Darling, Olivia Wilde's new film, which is written by Katie Silverman, Carrie and Shane Van Dyke, starring Wilde, Florence Chris Pine, Harry Styles, Kate Berlin, Gemma Chan, Nick Kroll, Timothy Simmons, Sidney Chandler, Lane, Ariel Satcher, um, at number two is the new one from which I really do want to see. It is written by Dina Stevens, based on a book from Maria Bello, starring Viola Davis, Uzi Mumbadu, Lashana Lynch, Sheila Atim, John Bioga, Henry Hero Brian Tiffin, Jimmy Odeyo, Masilla Padusa, Jaime Lawson, Adriana Warren, and yeah, oh man, what great things about that one. And at number one is Smile, the new film written and directed by Carl Quinn, starring Society Bacon. Jesse T. Usher, Carl Gannon, Hal Penn, Caitlin Stacey, Judy Rays, Rob Morgan, Gillian Zinter, Kevin Kepi, Dora Kiss, and others. Right, we have got, hmm, we've got a few films this week, but yeah, I think it's four, it might be, but I think it's four, so we've got uh, a good selection, and it's a two-part of the so let's get into it, shall we? Okay, people, let's get things started with the Shudder original, Sissy. So, it is another week, and we have another Shudder original. This one dropped a few weeks back, but wasn't able to get to it until now. I'm talking about Sissy. Okay, so this is the new feature from Hannah Barlow and Kane Sense. Uh, they both wrote and directed the piece. It is produced by um, John Di Margaretti, um, Jason Taylor, Lisa Shunzi. It is executive produced by um, Hannah Barlow. Um, also, we have Matteo van der Veld, Kane Sense, Seth Lani, Jacqueline Kerwick, William Day Frank, Clement Dunn, Anna 
Dadik, Alexandra Burke, and James Boyce. It is line produced by Beck Janik and Dan Sanguetti. Kenneth Lampel handles the music, Steve Arnold, the cinematography, Margie Hoy edits the piece, casting is from Marianne Jade, Michael Price handles production design, art direction is Courtney Westbrook, costume design is Renata Henshackle, um, hair and makeup, we've got Robin Austin, Angela Brooks, Julian Damas, Lilith Gao, Tristan Lucas, Renee Taylor, Helen Tuck, and Larry von Deinhoven. Our cast, <clears throat> well, we have got Sissy, aka Cecilia, well, that might be Cecilia, aka Sissy, whichever way you want to look at it, is played by Aisha D. Emma is played by Hannah Barlow. Fran is Lucy Barrett. Alex is Emma de Margaretti. Um, oh, you should probably say a young Cecilia is Amelia Lul. A young Emma is Camille. Compton and a young Alex is April Blasdale. We've also got uh, Jamie, played by Daniel Monks. Tracy, played by Yerin Ha. Uh, we've got Constable Martindale, played by Sean Martindale. Um, Officer Hopkins, played by Victoria Hopkins. Um, yeah, that, that's our, our main group, I would say, you know, uh, the gist of the piece is this, Cecilia, aka Sissy, is a successful social media influencer, living the dream, until she runs into her ex-childhood best friend, and is invited away on her bachelorette weekend. Suddenly, Cecilia finds herself stuck in a remote cabin with her school bully and a taste for revenge. And she also kind of reverts back to Sissy, right? The, this is, it's definitely interesting, right? It's, it's that look at that kind of social media clout culture, you know? And the way you have these people kind of give information like they're experts when they're not really, you know what I mean? And it's all about facades. That's the other huge thing really, which kind of, I think, resonates throughout this. It's just this whole, are people really what they say they are? You know, because we start off and we have Cecilia, you know, she's got her, her, her channel, Sincerely Cecilia. 
and she gives advice and techniques on coping with stress and you know feelings of loneliness and separation and just all of these sorts of things you know put a rope around you create your own personal uh circle of solitude and just all of these kind of things which listen some people find them that they legitimately help you know but is it concrete advice you know i mean should you use this rather than maybe seeking therapy hmm that's the question really right that's the question so you know she's we, we see her in this world right and she's when she posts a new video right you just hear the phone like ding 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 all the comments and the likes and she she read you know she's reading the likes and all these comments and you can see that it's buoying her up right she's getting her sense of wealth from all of that now we we leave this section of her house where she's you know curated the surroundings so it all looks and feels like this tranquil space right the kitchen is a mess sink is full of dirty plates she's just eating leftover pizza you know what i mean it's not necessarily the lifestyle she's imbuing to all her followers and she's got a ton of followers you know very successful so she's at the chemist one day and um you know we, we see her find like videos and she's playing this video of her and that old best friend from school and like the haircut, you know, they've got the, they're wearing these wigs, and she's at the chemist, sees his hair dye, but then she's hearing someone. And lo and behold, it's her best friend from school. Best friend from school who's getting married, invites her out to her Hindu and then the bachelorette party. So she goes to the Hindu and all her friends and all the friends are like, oh, yeah, you're great. Ba -ba -bum. Welcome, welcome. You know, all of this. Come to Hindu is a different matter. It is a different matter, right? It's people acting in a way which is very unnecessary. You know what I mean? It's like when people see someone else being more successful than they may be then it's all, oh, well, obviously you you must have cheated to get that, or, you know, you mean, all the daggers come out, and then just all those childhood traumas start to resurface. And that's what this is. It's, it's a revisiting of the childhood, right, and the things that scarred young Cecilia and what might come to the surface, you know? And it's funny how, right, these sides are drawn. These sides are drawn. And I think people then suddenly start to see people in these different lights, you know. But certain actions can definitely drive things in a crazy way. 
and, and you're wondering how this might end, right? There is a thought of it going one way, right? The kind of the way it does end, but there's so many different scenarios that could lead to that point. But the way they actually do do it, yeah, that that it it worked. It did work, you know. And the acting, acting was great. Like Asia playing Cecilia does this great job of switching between these personas, like switching between this self-help self-styled guru to then this person who is just consumed by these childhood traumas right and, and we get this and then it's just like the actions that spring from like living in these personas it is it's very well done right a, a friend emma you know hannah barlow uh who also wrote and directed, does a great job as Emma, right? Because there's this conflict of her, these people who are now her great friends, right? This woman who she's going to marry, and then her, her best friend from childhood, right? And we see this conflict playing out. It's handled very, like the cattiness of the friends is great. You know, it's all, yeah, acting is superb, right? Now, there are certain parts of the story which you do, like, there's a, there's a bit with a bullet, which you're just like, wait, hold on. <laughs> if that bullet came from where that bullet must have come from, I don't know how you're doing this thing, <laughs> right? That was a little crazy, but some of the effects, as, there's a bit in a car. I I won't say anymore, but I don't know how they did that. But god damn. God damn that was done so well. Also, the bit with the crutch, again, done very well. Very special effects people for this need to take a bow. Because they killed it. They really did was a superb job like there's definitely questions uh, like a necklace you're kind of thinking wait why would she be surely that would be hmm you know but I guess it speaks to the the state of mind but yeah as a an indie horror this you know it's done pretty well it is definitely done pretty well. It's more on the psychological kind of tip because it's dealing with like emotions and all of this. Now, look, we do get murders, right? So it then does, I think if you're a fan of like the, the what is it? The Slumber Party Massacre, you know, um, Freak Street. Like those, I think you might enjoy Sissy. I think you'll be, you, you know, you'll dig it. Um, but yeah, it's not too crazy in the horror that's going to be like, ah, I cannot sleep now, which is always a good thing. 
it's always a good thing. Uh, but yeah, Sissy, it, it's done well. It's definitely done well. And, you know, very interesting to see what these guys do next, you know? Yeah. So if you're, you know, you've got your Shudder subscription, you've enjoyed all the stuff on there, then Sissy might be another one to add to your list. Right, 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 people. Next up, it's um, Okay, people. So, an action film is always good to kind of, I don't know, shape things up. It's like a, an aperitif. You know what I mean? If you've been watching some heavy things or some, you know, genre things, throw in a little action, cleanse a palate, jump into some other shit. Feel me? So, um, yeah, I thought I would check out Blackout. Right? So this is the new film from Sam Macaroni. I kind of feel it's probably not pronounced Macaroni, but that's what it looks like. Right? It's written by Van B. Nugent. Um, it is produced by Michael Mendelssohn, um, executive produced by Jim Steele, uh, Natalie Perota, Joe Mundo, Angelis Morales, uh, Robert M. Melly. Uh, we got Santiago Garcia Galvan, Daniel Farag, uh, associate produced by Letty Camancho, uh, Bavad Karim, um, co produced by Jason Sally, uh, Reza Sixo Sakai. Kimberly Hines, line produced by Charles Arthur Berg, um, yeah, that's it, oh, and Gijo Reed also post-executive produces it, music is Brandon Campbell, cinematography is Matteo Londono, Lawrence Cohen edits the film. Chadwick Struck does the casting. Ryan Kirscher, production design. Art direction is Carlos Gamboa and Shannon Kemp. Costume design, Chris Deskins and Atzin Hernandez. Uh, makeup, we got... Um, Fabola Galvan and Caesar Perlop. So, uh, yeah, now our cast. Oh, we got Josh Duhamel as Kane, um, Abby Cornish as Anna, and throughout the film, I'm looking at her character, I'm thinking, 
I know you from some like I, like I can't put a name to the face, but yeah, it was Abby Cornish. Again, the same with Nick Nolte. I'm looking at like, who the fuck is that? It's Nick Nolte. He plays Ethan McCoy. We got Agent Jackson Jacobs, played by Luferengo Jr. I didn't even know Luferengo had a kid. Learn something new every day, people. Um, Eddie is played by Omar Chaparro. Uh, Jenny uh, is Barbara Derriguez. Um, Carlos is Jeru Medina. Uh, Diego is Homan Del Riego. Uh, we've got the general played by Pedro Lopez. Um, Miguel Edison Ruiz. Um, Benny G is Danny Farag. Mr. Chen is Marco Torres. Agent Marino Dillinger is Elizabeth Irene. Um, <laughs> Agent Walter Banks is Donald V. Allen. Uh, we have got there's a D agent played by Robert Dobson. I think, yeah, I think that's it. I think that's our, our main group of people. So, the gist of the film is this. A man wakes up in a hospital with no memory and quickly finds himself on the run in a lockdown hospital with the cartel on his trail. He scrambles to find his true identity in the most vicious way. Bam! So, yeah, this is one of them films, right? Action all the way. We've got a guy who is trying to figure out Am I good? Am I bad? Who the fuck am I? Who can I trust? All of that jazz, right? And uh, yeah, so we, we start off just with this kind of, um, you know, we've got this footage, right? There's a guy coming into a house, another guy with a case. He, he's like running. He, then we see him in a vent. The guy in the house, you know, He's looking around. It looks like he's pressing security codes. House blows up, right? Guy with the case, he, he gets out. He's in a car. Then all of it, right? It's, it's always kind of funny, right? You see someone in a car. No one, you know, road empty. Then all of a sudden, there's another car right behind them. And it's just like, where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just like, all right, I get some cars are real fast, but for someone to get up on him that quickly, his car has to be just on flats. You know what I mean? Or, yeah, it's so old and decrepit, and it never is. You know what I mean? Like, it never is. So it's always just like, that's some crazy artistic license, right? So we've got people, they open fire on him. Car flips, we've got explosions, which isn't really how these things would work, right? 
then my man's in the hospital. So from that bit, you do wonder, okay, we have two people in the car. That car didn't get any sort of damage. So why wouldn't they have taken the case, killed him, you know, done all manner of things before an ambulance turned up? That's that's a big part of the plot that never really gets answered. It's just like, wait, how do we get to the point where he's in hospital? Surely he's getting taken out, right? I've no clue. As I said, it never gets addressed. It is bizarre. So he's in hospital. He, you know, he, he, it's obvious, right, that there's shit going down. We, we we flash to Nick Nolte's character. He's like the head of the DEA or something, or at least the head of a task force. He's, you know, they're in the house looking. He's like, ah, oh, is it is it Kane? You know, he's like, ah, oh, what's going on? And we kind of, there is some doubt about all of that, but we don't really know, right? So he's in hospital. The doctor's trying to, you know, he's explaining you've got amnesia. His wife is there to help him. But amnesia. So it's just like, are these really doctors? Is that really his wife? You know what I mean? There's just all these questions. All these questions. Um, and it kind of just goes from there, right? It, it goes how you would imagine this film would go, right? I, I, I think it doesn't really... It's not necessarily throwing you anything new, you know. There's a there's just a lot of scenes, a lot of fights, everything like that. I think one big thing is, as you know, in films nowadays, in the fight scenes, everyone knows jujitsu and martial arts. At least we don't really get that. You know, I mean, we have people throwing kicks, but kicks is kicks, right? We, we've always had people throw kicks in fights. That's whatever. But, yeah, they, we have them get into some positions where it would be like, yo, that's a real naked choke, right? Or, oh, yeah, you that, you know what I mean? Throw, throwing a Gamora, you know, maybe a triangle, like all different things that you could do, which might not really work in a real fight where there's concrete where you could get your head slammed into you know what I mean? so there was that now the fights though hey it's it's one of them things with fights you know what I mean where someone's getting their head smashed up against the wall you know several times but then they're they're able still to kind of fight on when in reality you won't be mad groggy. You you know what I mean? You're just going to be like all over the place. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just taking heavy shots in the face. If you're not used to that shit, right? Yeah, it's going to be difficult to fight on. You know? And especially if you're under some kind of anesthetic, right? You're not... Fighting off mad people if you've been drugged. But these are the fights that we get. You know, it's, it's, it's that amusing thing of the action movie. The other, the other thing that we get a lot of, you know, we're in a hospital. So, I mean, you know what a hospital is like, right? 
corridors and you have these scenes where you've got two people two people machine guns firing at my man neither can hit him now as i said it's a corridor right <laughs> you're shooting at one per like how are you not like they're hitting we see the shots hit the wall you know what i mean as he's running through and it's just like come on now like once they're gonna hit him at least once at least once right it's you know this is the cartel their thugs will be able to shoot you're, you're not getting hired if you can't shoot a gun for shit <laughs> you know now, i'm not saying they have to be marksmen but in the reality of things, if you're shooting in those circuits, you're gonna hit something. You're gonna hit your target. But yeah, it, it, it's that craziness that we see. You know, one of the funniest scenes is when he's leaving the hospital. Well, leaving his room in the hospital, and he, he gets dressed, and we see him put on his suit. But they kind of slow it down and it's all stylized and it's just hilarious. It's, it's, it's not meant to be hilarious, but it's hilarious, you know? Now, if you want something you do not have to think about, right? I think this will probably do the ticket for you. But it is kind of convoluted. Right, they they try and throw in so many twists and turns and double crosses and just all of that. There's all these situations where you know these people are trying to kill each other, but then they're like, "Hey, let's meet here and talk," and then they'll either talk or they'll say a few things, then start shooting each other, right, with no provocation. And it's just like, okay, we, you can do that once, but. You're not meeting up multiple times when the first time went down, someone trying to kill you. You know what I mean? It, it, there's just too many of these, these things that you're just like, no, <laughs> you know, come on. Or when someone's trying to, you know, they've lost their memory and you want them to trust you, but you're not telling them everything. And it's just, there's just some simple things. There's these, these, a few simple things which you'd be like, wait, why wouldn't they have said that? Right? It makes no sense to withhold certain information. You know, like, I don't know, hair color and just things like that, right? It's a little bizarre. So it, it gets very convoluted, very... Who can he trust? Oh, this person. No, not that person. You know, it is a little crazy. It is a little crazy on that front. And I think you never quite, you never really quite get the gist of it all because it's all a bit like, what? You know, I mean, there's so many opportunities for people to get killed, but they're not getting killed. You know, it, yeah, it's an odd one. But as I said, if you want something that which you don't 
necessarily have to think about because even when thinking about it, the story is still all over the place. But it's just that typical action, B action movie, right? This is the type of action movie that goes straight to um, DVD or video back in the day. You know what I mean? That's what this is. So if that's what you're looking for, if you liked films like, um, oh gosh, I mean, it was Centuro, right? You know, the guy on the motorbike and all of that. If you like stuff like that, right? I think there was another one on Netflix earlier in the year, The Raiders or something like that. You know, the, the uh, I think it was like Chinese and Korean kind of, you know, all of that kind of malarkey. That's your jam, then blackout. You know, I I think uh, yeah, it will satisfy that itch for you. But it's not memento. <laughs> you know what I mean? Someone trying to remember, but it's it's not that, right? But hey, not everything can be right. So yes, blackout. It's on Netflix, people. If it if it sounds like something you would want to watch. Go check it. Next up, people, we take a little step back in time. Oh, just a couple of years. Because we checked out promising Okay, so promising young woman, right? That is, like, it's something I'd heard about, right? Now, loads of people were saying it was so good and, you know, these incredible performances. But, I just, yeah, I just wasn't able to see it when it first came out. Now, I did grab it because I thought it was based on a book, right? Because Miranda July has a book called Promising Young Woman. It's not the same book. <laughs> yeah, I checked out the book and I was like, this sounds nothing like what people were talking about. <laughs> and then I found out, oh, it's something completely different. But yeah, the film, oh my God. Yo, I didn't even know. I just did a little search on now and I found, oh shit, I can now watch it. So I was like, yo, let me check it out. So it is written and directed by Emerald Fennell. And it's her feature directorial debut, which, <laughs> I mean, this is, whoa. As a debut, this is something fucking exceptional. You know what I mean? It is um, produced now. By Margaret Robbie. Uh, we got Josie McNamara, um, Ashley Fox, uh, Ben Browning, Tom Ackerley, and Fennel herself. It's executive produced by Glenn Basner, um, Alison Cohen. Carrie Mulligan and Milan Popelika. 
and it is co-produced by Fiona Walsh Hines as well. So music is Anthony Willis. Benjamin Krakun is cinematography. It's edited by Frederick Foraval. Um, Lindsey Graham and Mary Verio um, handled the casting. Michael Perry, production design. Liz Klukoloski is art direction. Set decoration is Ray Deslish. Costume design is Nancy Steiner. Hair, makeup, all of that jazz is Leanne Brittenham, Adam Christopher, Bryson Conley, Daniel Curate, Bridget Hennich, and Angie Wells. And now cast, and it's a pretty great cast, people. It's a pretty great cast. Well... We have got um, Carrie Mulligan as Cassandra. Um, we've got her boss and friend, Gail, as Laverne Cox. There is um, <clears throat> Ryan, who is played by Bo Burnham. Um, we have got uh, Molly Shannon as Mrs. Fisher, Cassandra's best friend's mum, Nina. Right. There's also um, do, 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 Jean, who is played by Lorna Scott and George by Casey Adams. Um, yeah, that's Cassandra's parents. Then we have got Jerry, played by Adam Brody. Jim, played by Ray Nicholson. Paul, played by Sam Richardson. Definitely a different performance from old uh, Sam than in the after party. You know what I mean? Um, there's Monty, played by Timothy E. Goodwin, Stanley, Clancy Brown, Susan, played by Jennifer Coolidge, um, Ruby, played by Ali Hart, Jeff, Lauren Paul, Jeff's friend is played by Scott Asenbrenner, Ryan, um, yep, we did Ryan, Neil, Played by Christopher Mintz, please. <laughs> Madison is Alison Bree. Alfred is Gabriel Olivia. Tony is Brian Lillis. Amber is Francesca Etzavitz. Um, Dean Walker is Connie Britton. Simon is Vince Lozano. Uh, Joe is Max Greenfield. Al Monroe is Christopher Lowell. There's Chip, played by Mike Horton. Lincoln, 
played by Steve Monroe. Todd is Angela Zoe. And Anastasia is Austin Talon Carpenter. So, uh, yeah. There's a lot of talented motherfuckers up in this, man. A lot of talented motherfuckers up in this. Now, the gist is this. Pushing 30 and defined by a hideous crime involving her bosom friend, Nina. Emotionally scarred medical school dropout, Cassie, knows firsthand that some wounds never heal, leading an uneventful existence, still living with her parents, waiting tables at a cheap coffee shop to earn a living. Cassie has found the perfect way to deal with painful past. Dressed to kill at night, Cassie frequents the local bars and nightclubs, pretending to be dead drunk, utterly helpless, and vulnerable, and every week, lethally beautiful Cassie is on the prowl for all sorts of nocturnal predators and other wolves in sheep's clothing, who are unaware that sometimes the hunter can become the prey. Then Ryan, a kindly and caring old classmate who is the bee's knees, enters the picture. And just like that, Cassie wants out. However, everybody knows that breaking bad habits is easier said than done. Could Ryan be the one? Mm -mm -mm. So, um, yeah, that that's it. Like, the way this opens up, right? We've got this drunken girl, this office party, office party and... Everyone is, you know, they see this girl. There's all these guys around, see this girl, and they're just like, oh, oh, that is terrible. How can someone get in that state? Oh, it's criminal. And then they're all like, oh, someone should go over. Yeah, we could try it on. And it's just like, yo, what the fuck, man? And, you know, one guy's just like, no, 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 no. No, I'm gonna, you know, I'm protecting this girl, right? Goes, takes, like, you know, I'm gonna put you in Uber home. But, you know what I mean? But, instead of taking her home, it's like, oh, we're close to where I live. Hmm, let's go to mine. Right, and it's just that grimy, and I mean, you think we're about to witness something just like, oh man, did we have to open the film like this? This is just no, but yo, the transformation, like Carrie Mulligan, like going from drunk to sober. It is, and just the way it's captured, you know what I mean? Like, we're looking down at her sprawled on the bed, and then suddenly the eyes just, like, bump, and it's just chilling. Oh, my God, it's just chilling, because you're just like, oh, fuck, what is going to happen? You know what I mean? It's just like, yo. And I have to say, right, Carrie Mulligan, 
from the giddy up, you knew that there's something about this chick, right? That that she's gonna give you some great performances. You know what I mean? I just remember because you know she did some smaller parts, but when she starred in an education, oh my god, that was like she was great as Sally Sparrow in Doctor Who, and knowing then what how that character just spanned out and everything, right? But yeah. What she did in an education, you were just like, yo, she's going to be killing it. And then ever since, you know, never let me go, drive, right? Far from the madding crowd, mudbound. Yeah, she's just done some incredible performances, you know what I mean? So it was just like. Uh, knowing she was in this film and the performances she can give, it wasn't surprising just to see how she just commanded the screen here, right? And we just, it's just that kind of revenge, right? We We see this woman, like, trying to get revenge, but completely just detached, right? Forgetting her own birthday, just not really, like, no friends, apart from Gail, right? No other interest, just checked out of life. Just this one purpose to ensure that her friend gets, you know what I mean? get some justice right until Ryan comes into it so that then gets real interesting you know what I mean because it's just like oh now like is she finding herself again right is she finding herself and you you know there's this scene in the pharmacy with Paris Hilton, which is just like, oi, <laughs> what the fuck is happening? Because, you know what I mean? Paris Hilton, right? Terrible song. Terrible singer. But it's a fun scene, you know? But then the big thing being, right, is you know how long the film is, and we're about halfway through, just over halfway through. So you're just like, okay, how, where does this go now? Right? Where does this film go now? And what then happens? You are just like, oh, fuck. Oh, my. Yeah. It, 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 there's some turns that you didn't quite expect. You know what I mean? Like, I think that there's these things that you thought might happen, right? But then it goes so far that you're like, well, obviously, it's not going to do those things. And then suddenly, this new facet opens up. And, oh... Oh, it's crazy. And I think the big thing with this 
is because, look, people make these weird justifications for actions. Like, oh, we were young. We didn't know any better. Or that's what people were doing at the time. And it's like, come on now, right? Even at a young age, you know, right, what rape is. You, you know what rape is. You know if a girl is passed out, right? If a girl can't, you know, give you a complete sentence, right? To be like, hey, would you like to come back to my room? And the girl's like, oh, you're not taking that girl back to your room, right? You're not doing anything with someone that doesn't know fucking day it is like you know those things right but people will be like oh well we were both drunk we were both and it's just like come on now come on now right and it it's interesting how like certain characters were just like they tried Right, they try to be like, oh, what? And then it was just like, yeah, yeah, I'm an arsehole. I did that thing, I regret it. Like, some people regretted, some people didn't, which is, you know, it is that thing, right? You talk to people about past actions, right? And some people be like, man, I regret doing that thing. Some people are like, yeah, fuck it, it's, you know, <laughs> happened. Yeah, I'm good. You know what I mean? And act like... So it's interesting to see all of that and the justification some people make. Like, you know what I mean? Some people just, I can't sleep. Can't sleep. I I regret everything. I want to die. I was... And it's like... But... Yeah. There is that, that shock. That shock of when you think someone is a certain thing. Because actions, right? It's always actions speak louder than words. So when someone is acting in a certain way, acting in a certain way, saying the right things, and then suddenly we learn this thing. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. But the the real interesting thing with this Right, I had no clue how this film was ending. Right, there was nothing that was spoiled about this film, which is great because I did not know it ended the way it ended. Right, like there's a you know, I'm thinking, but well, it can't end like that. Right, obviously, something is gonna, you know, what I mean, like, oh, we're gonna get her, and then we see a thing, and you're like, Oh, oh shit. What's gonna like how does this and then ah yeah the the ending was kind of perfect, right? This you kind of realize this is not a happy tale, right? This isn't a happy tale, this isn't gonna be they ride off into the sunset, smiling. It's not that story, right? So the way it goes down, man, that 
yeah, it, it was a perfect bookend to this tale of just trauma. Trauma and revenge and how these things emotionally scar people, right? They emotionally scar, even if it doesn't happen to you, right? There's that impact, the impact it can have on life. And it's just, yeah, I, I, I think if it had ended differently, it would not have been the same movie, right? It wouldn't have had the same impact. So this was like, just great performance, like, and just the, the looks on people's faces, the reactions to things that are being said, just all of that. Oh my gosh, it was handled so well. This is a phenomenal film. I can definitely see why people were speaking so highly about it, you know? So yeah, definitely people, if you have not seen Promising Young Woman, Oh, you definitely, definitely should watch it. Though, understand this is not happy content. It's definitely not happy content, but incredible performances. Incredible performances. And I cannot wait to see what Emerald Fennel does next because as a feature debut, I mean, <laughs> you is. It's hard to come out the gate any better than this, you know? It's pretty great, man. So, yeah, people, promising young woman, definitely check that shit out. And let's bring part one home with the new MCU Disney Plus joint is Okay, people, so Werewolf by Night has finally come to the MCU. Right, they were talking about this. I mean, they've been talking about a World for Night film for a while, right? A while. But nothing happened. And then word came, you know, something was coming to Disney Plus. Now, uh, at the beginning, I think we assumed it would be a, a TV series. But then it was like, oh, it's a TV movie. So it's like, okay. How is this going to be, right? So it is directed by Michael G Giacchino, hmm, maybe, right? It is written by Heather Quinn and Peter Cameron, um, yeah, based on the comic books of Roy Thomas, Gene Thomas, Michael G. Plog, and Jerry Conway. The film is produced by Stephen Broussard. It's executive produced by Brad Winderborn, um, Kevin Feige, Louise D'Espistio, and Victoria Alonso. And it's co-executive produced by Trevor Walterson. Um, 
Giacchino also, as well as directing, also handles the music. Cinematography is by Zoe White. Jeffrey Ford edited to piece. Casting is Sarah Finn and Krista Huzar. Production design is Maya Shimagochi. Um, Lauren Rosenblum handles art direction. Costume design is Maze C. Rubio. And our cast. Well, we have got um, hmm, what order should we do this in? Oh, I mean, the narrator of the piece is Rick D. Wasserman. Uh, he narrates, like, the beginning. Then we've got Ulysses Bloodstone, who everyone is here for, essentially. And he is voiced by Richard Dixon. Um, and he is... Moved by Eric Beck, the puppeteer. So then we have got Verusa Bloodstone, who is played by Harriet Sampson Harris. Um, Elias's estranged daughter, Elsa Bloodstone, played by Laura Dunley. Then we've got our hunters. We have got um, Javon, played by Kirk R. Thatcher. Azriel, played by Eugene Bondurant. Um, Leon, played by Leonardo Nam. And um, Brasso, played by Daniel J. Watts. The manservant is Al Hamacha. Played by Billy Swan. Um, we then got uh, I got the flaming tuba played by David Silverman. Got another hunter, Jack Jack Russell, <laughs> played by Gail Garcia Bernal. Um, Man Thing, aka Ted, who is voiced by Carrie Jones and Jeffrey Ford. So, um, yeah, that is it. There's also Ye Nan, played by Cameron Hales. So, um, yeah, that's that's the piece now. The gist of the joint is this. Following the death of their fearless leader, Ulysses Bloodstone, a team of elite monster hunters gathers at the towering Bloodstone Manor. It's now time for the trackers, including the cursed aristocrat Jack Russell and the patriarch's estranged daughter, Elsa, to prepare for a ceremonial hunt to determine who will wield the blood gem, aka bloodstone. A mysterious alien relic with unfathomable powers. However, as the fragment sends out sent as, as the fragment scent of warm, bright red blood fills the air, 
the masks will fall off and on a restless moonlit night like this, there can only be one keeper of the sacred bloodstone. Who will take over as the monster slayer's new chief? Bum, 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 bum. I have to say, at first, right, when we see Brasso, I was like, oh, is this a little introduction of Blade? Right? Because Blade, he hunts vampires, but he also does hunt monsters. So I was wondering if this was a, like a little way of introducing him, but no, it wasn't Blade. We don't actually um, get any of their names. You know, they're just greeted. They're hunters. I mean, um, but straight from jump because yeah it was it was only a little while ago that I learned this was a black and white piece which I thought was going to be interesting you know especially when they talked about it being you know they're, they're trying to get the vibe of those old horror fics so I was like okay how is this going to look and Hey, just from jump, right? You like everyone knows by now, you know, the intro to a Marvel joint, right? You, you've got the, you know, you see the characters and just all of this. Like it, it's worked so well, everyone is now utilizing their own version of it. But all of that's in black and white. And like interspersed we have like claws and monster growls and everything like that so we know this is monster right this is this Halloween special this is something and yeah it just opens up and it just feels very ooh, like the camera work the cinematography it's just the lighting it really gives you this vibe, this vibe of creepiness, of just supernatural, you know, just everyone coming in, in these vast buildings, you know, vaulted ceilings and large candles and lights. We got monster heads on the wall, just all of this. And it's just everything really does give you the, the, the vibe of one of these old friggin' Bertie's horror flicks, you know, the hammer and just all of those sorts of things, which, yeah, I, I, I think it was done perfectly, right? You've just got, you know, the, the acting, acting killed it, right? Everyone just really gives these great performances, you know, the, the projection of the voices really does feel like, again, these old Licks from yesteryear. So it is, it, yeah, it, it was really enjoyable. Really enjoyable. I, you know, I know Werewolf by Night. Like, I've heard of the character. He's popped up every now and again. I thought that um, Joe, Joe Janus, Jameson, you know what I mean? I thought his son became Werewolf by Night. I, I wasn't, yeah, I thought that had happened, but I don't think it is. Um, but yeah, so 
I I had no clue, right? I had no clue that you know there was you know, who was there. Like the one big thing I had heard was this was going to be the introduction of man thing, which ho ho, man thing looked pretty fucking cool. I gotta say. You know what I mean? Because when you see him in the comments, it's creepy and all of that. But it's just like, how would that work, right, on the big screen? Because it could look super goofy. But no, it worked very well. Very well. It's just creepy and just everything like that. You know, everything was styled in a way that just fit. Right, everything seems to fit. The story is only 55 minutes, but it doesn't feel like you've been robbed of anything. You know, what I mean? it doesn't feel like it's been sped up. Doesn't it, you know, there's no flab on it, right? It doesn't feel like, oh, if only it had been longer. Now, obviously, yeah, you, you know, what I mean, there's there's bits and bobs that you'd be like, oh, they could have gone into that, they could have gone into that, but what you were given is the perfect introduction to all of this. You know what I mean? That was very enjoyable. Very enjoyable, people. And we do get like a Wizard of Oz, like a little bit at the end, which I thought, that's a nice touch. Because I think you are watching this. Like the one thing that I, I found very difficult to see in the black and white was the the markings on Jack's face. Because someone, um, Jovan, alludes to, he's like, oh, great makeup. Oh, really? And, you know, Jack's like, oh, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a, a tribal kind of thing, right? But, yeah, I, I couldn't really see it. Couldn't really see it. So you are wondering, I wonder how this would look in colour. Right, it looks great in black and white. It, you know what I mean, it really creates that vibe. But it's like, how would this look in color? Because I think in the comics, Eliza's hair's, you know, she's red head, um, wears a red jacket. You know what I mean, so there's all of these different things, and you just wonder, like, could it work? And um, yeah, it does. It, it still does. You know, I was like, this is. Yeah, I think any fan of the Marvel Universe, right? I, I think they will look at this and be like, oh, this is fantastic. You know what I mean? I think anyone is going to just really enjoy what they saw. Because it's just handled so well. The pacing, like just this story, right? Bring these monster hunters together and they have to, you know hunt a monster to see who gets the bloodstone. But it's not just hunting the monster. Everyone's fair game. So then it gets super interesting, right? It's just like, oh, shit. What's going to happen? How's this all going to go down, you know? So, yeah, it, it just... There's a load of, there's fun fights, there's action, we see powers, 
And also the werewolf is interesting, right? Because they don't go completely full wolf, right? Because, you know, sometimes the werewolf, the face will completely change. Now, the body changes and all of that. And the face changes slightly, but it still keeps some humanistic aspects to it. So that was really, it was very interesting to see the interpretation of the werewolf, you know? But yeah, I'm on board for more of this for sure. You know, I, I think this new addition, this new corner of the Marvel Universe, it, there's so much to explore. It's so vast. It's so rich. You know, I mean, like when you just think of, as I said, look, like this blade, you know? Um, hmm. Now there are more, but my mind has gone blank, people. Completely blank. But yeah, there's so much more in the monster corner. So, yes, I mean, there's all the zombies, right? Um, there's vampires, the, the, the other monsters. So, people, hey, if Werewolf by Night is an introduction, right? Just a touch point, then boy, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to see what they have in store. And um, yeah, you know, it's on Disney Plus. So I'm, yeah, if you don't have Disney Plus people, I mean, hey, it gets a little skeptical because there's so many streaming platforms now, you know what I mean? Which kind of takes away the whole idea of what the streaming was meant to be. But I kind of feel Disney Plus is one that you definitely need if you're, you know, like a fan of animation, if you're a fan of Marvel, Star Wars, you know, National Geographic, right? They've got all this, you know, the 50 by 50, the sports stuff. There's so much on it. So much on it now, you know? So, yeah, it's World by Night. It's on Disney+. Plus, and people, I highly, highly recommend it. Okay, people, so as we draw to the end of part one of this week's episode, let's take a look and see what is going down. We're going to make it quick because I'm um, Okay, so uh, Entertainment One, right, is working on a documentary about the Hasbro tabletop game franchise Dungeons and Dragons. So this is to coincide with the 50th anniversary of the game, which takes place in 2024, which is interesting, right? Because, look, we know we're getting a, a new film which dropping next year, and you kind of feel if it's the 50th anniversary, they should save the film for that year. Like, it kind of makes sense, and everything drops, you know what I mean? I don't know, maybe I'm being crazy, but it seems 
kind of crazy not to leave there. But yeah, supposedly it's going to be using archival footage and stuff that dates all the way back to the 70s when like games which could be real interesting. Right, Arrow was Dungeons Dragons back in the day. Right, Games Workshop painting all the figures, all of that kind of jam. You know, could that be interesting? Now, it seems because of the success of stuff like Top Gun Maverick, we are getting a new Netflix show. Paramount relit it, and Liam Neeson is going to raise his new star. Right, so supposedly he won't be. This isn't a reboot. He will be playing the son of Frank Durbin, the character voiced by Leslie Nielsen. Um, it is being written by Dan Gregor and Duncan right? um, directed by Akiva Schaefer. Um, and now, well, there was previously Mark Hinterman and Alec Sulkin writing the piece. So, I don't know how much of that old script will be kept. But yeah, it looks like this is right. Seth MacFarlane and Erica Huggins juicing the joint. So let's see what's happening. Um, another old kind of franchise that is being brought back is the Joy Luck Club, right? Another. You know, because I think the last Naked Gun was in the 90s and Joy Luck Club came in the 90s, right? So this new version is being written by Ron Bass and original writer and um, you know, author of the book, Amy Tan. So, um, yeah, they're going to be continuing the story, which obviously, right, You've got the, um, you know, the uh, the mothers of the old film and now grandmothers, the daughters of the original and now the mothers, and the daughters will be played by a kid. So obviously everyone from the old films are coming back. So yeah, if you're a fan of the Joy Luck Club, or you're in luck, you're getting more. All right? So, um, John Daly is getting his own biopic. He might be wrong. He might still be alive. He's alive. But Jonah Hill, right, is producing and starring in this new film about him. It's getting, it's coming from Hill's production company. Um, there's no director. In but it says it's going to look at the bad 
and the booth. You know what I mean? So they'll address the stands and the, the alcohol consumption and all of that. But also the fact that he was a very good golfer, you know, which I feel that's good. There's too many of these biopics to try and take his point when they're not. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, how they do this, you know? And oh, okay, so over on Prime, we're getting a new holiday adventure red one starring Dwayne Johnson, Chris Evans, and um, right? They're saying globe crossing adventure comedy imagining a whole new universe to explore within the holiday genre. I mean, we've heard that a lot, and what we get is just a situation. So, I don't know, we'll see what happens. I think Christmas being stuff can be very irritating, so check it out. We'll check it out. It's been directed by Jake. Castan, um, produced by um, Dwayne, uh, Chris Morgan, Castan, Hiram Garcia, Danny Garcia, and Melvin Marr. And um, Chris Morgan is also a writing director. Um, over at Disney. We're getting a new film based on one of their rides, right? Um, Society of Explorers and Adventurers. I had no clue there was an attraction of this name. Supposedly there is, right? And um, the film is going to be from Ryan Reynolds and... Um, we know Jim, who is, um, yeah, mm, co-writing and co-directing, right, so, um, yeah, I don't know, see what happens with this, right, um, now, I think there's already a TV series based on the ride, yeah. So, uh, see what happens, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, let's end this one, right? So, um, we're getting a new, uh, new film called Elevation, right? They're saying it's quite concept. Thematical driven action piece set in the Rocky Mountains and follows a single father and two women who must venture from the safety of their home to face monstrous creatures and endless sacred life of a child. It is being written by Kenny Bryan and Jacob Roman. Um, it is 